0: and we're going to talk a little bit about today to a certain extent, but we've been talking about it a lot, is that serving has nothing to do with us. All right. Everybody agree with that? Because if it's serving in order to get something out of it, it's not serving. It's some sort of exchange. Serving is I'm going to do something for somebody else and literally not care if I get anything out of it at all. Like, it's not even in my mind. It's, it's completely one-sided, okay? And, uh, and Jesus modeled that for us, and so that's what we're doing. And one of the ways that we're doing it is through serve days. We, we had one back in July. We're having one in December. And uh, guys, look, we, we've been talking about it as well. The fact that as a church, as people, we just turn inward, it's part of our nature we turn inward things become all about us and church even though it's supposed to be about about you know raising up people and and, and bringing Jesus to the, to the community to the lost it becomes about us it becomes a, it becomes a club right and so then I've got my friends I've got my thing and then I'm good and so I stop going and that is not what the Bible Uh, illustrates to us the Bible has a bigger plan the Bible has a bigger storyline and it's where lost people get saved saved people get healed healed people get activated in order to go help lost people get saved all right like that's the cycle that it never stops and it never will and so if you find yourself in a place where you're healed but you're not activated and operating in that then maybe you have stopped and so one of the ways to kickstart it is signing up for a serve day and showing up y'all with me all right, cool. So that's just a big heart right there of why we're doing this and what we're trying to do. And I wanna invite you to be a part of that. So we are in week five. We're in week five. And our key verse for this week is Proverbs sixteen three. It says this, commit your work to the Lord and then your plans will be established. First, commit your work to the Lord and then your plans will be established. This week, we're, we're planning to serve. This is the week in small group where we're beginning to plan how we are going to serve our community in many different ways. But the Bible says, first, before you do anything, commit it to the Lord. And then whatever you do will be established. So we're going to break this scripture open a little bit and look at it from a few different different vantage points. But um, what it does not say is start doing something and then ask God to be a part of it. All right. Come on, how many of y'all have done that before? You've been doing something for a few months, and then all of a sudden you realize that you've, you have never prayed about it, you never sought any counsel, and then you're like, ooh, hey God, would you, would you mind blessing this? <laughs> would you mind being a part of this? And, and the, the thing is is that maybe it wasn't part of the plan in the first place. It's part of your plan, but maybe it wasn't part of his plan, okay? So that's not what it says. It says, commit your work to the Lord and then your plans will be established. But what does that really mean? Commit your work to the Lord. Simply put, it means pray first. Pray first. Prayer is one of the the most important things that we can do as a believer. But I'm gonna be honest, I believe it's one of the last things that we do as believers. It's one of the the added things at the end that we realize we might've forgot to do. And so we plug it in just real quick, all right? It's sort of like eating horrible food and then taking vitamins. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? It's like, it's like, I'm gonna eat this trash, but I'm gonna take this pill and it's gonna make it all good. It's not the way that nutrition works, okay? <laughs> and that's not the way prayer is for a believer. Prayer is not this addendum to It's an intricate part of your walk with God. And so we pray before we go, we pray before we do, we pray all up in it. The way I, this is how I picture prayer. Everybody's got a cell phone in this room right now. Now, whether you know it or not, that that cell phone is connected at all times to a network. It's this constant background information exchange all the time. And the way I look at prayer is like, we're consistently, constantly tethered to God. There's no like, okay, I'm praying, so I'm connected to God, all right? And and now I'm not praying, so I'm not. As believers, it's this, it's what the Bible says, pray without ceasing. It doesn't mean on your knees, literally praying nonstop, because we would be of no earthly good if we did that, okay? We've got to be functioning, but it's this constant awareness that God is with you, okay? And that you're walking with him, so you're constantly bringing things before him. The way that we look at prayer is sort of like uh, 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 tilling the soil, breaking up the hard ground. We do something here called My Three, and it's a card that's got three lines on it. Many of you got one last week and you filled it out, and I I pray that you've been praying for those people. But what we believe is that as we pray for those people, those, those three people that are in our lives that we know need God, that God is doing something where we can't see what's happening but he's tilling up the soil, all right? He's changing the structure of their heart. He's softening them. He's preparing them to receive who he is. It's biblical. The Bible says there's four different types of soil. There's good, there's rocky, there's thorny. There's there's some soil where where the the seed sprouts, but then the the Bible says the cares of the world come in and choke out what's, what's growing. And I believe that prayer affects that. And so with my three, we pray and then guess what? We go. We pray for these people, but then we, we instigate a conversation. We invite them to church, whatever it is, we're praying for opportunities. And here's the deal. As you pray, you become aware of those opportunities. I believe many times there's opportunities to be a light in a dark place, to help somebody out uh, in, in, in an eternal way. But because we're not aware we don't see it, and therefore, we don't, we don't take the opportunity. But they're all around us. But we've got to be in a prayerful mindset, so we're tilling the soil. Here's another kind of funny thing about prayer is that you actually learn something about people when you pray. And whenever you hear them pray. I heard a guy say this. He said, I can hang out with you a long time. We can hang out. We can watch the game. We could do whatever. He said, but if I really want to know your heart, he's like, let's pray together. Let me hear you pray because I'm gonna learn what's on your heart. I'm also gonna learn whether you pray or not. (laughs) Have you ever heard somebody pray that you know they never pray, right? And they are like, Lord, if you're there, if you can hear me right now. um, (laughs) You know what I'm saying? It's like, maybe you're you're not laughing right now because you're like, that's how I pray, actually. That's, I never know. Sometimes I talk really loud because I don't know if he can hear me, you know? (laughs) You get in a prayer meeting with somebody and hear them pray. Have somebody pray over the food, right? How about when you pray? Do you stumble around? Are you not sure? If there's somebody that I don't talk to a lot, I'm not really sure how to have a conversation with them because I don't really know them, they don't really know me, so I kinda dance around different subjects. When it comes to prayer and having a conversation with God, there's a lot of times, does something happen? Like people are like, everybody all right? Okay, something really, a phone or something. <laughs> Every now and then something happens and it's like, <sighs> like, did somebody fall down? One time something happened, a light literally fell out the ceiling onto a chair. There was no recovering from that. There was no, <laughs> no getting around that. But, uh, but prayer is like a conversation. And listen, if you're not having a conversation with God, you're not learning who God is. You're not. We're gonna learn how God speaks to us in a second. If you don't know how to pray or what to pray, I wanna point you to a website, all right? Northwood.tv slash pray. And there we have a, uh, a help, a prayer help. It's actually a PDF that you can download. It's got, uh, it's got different, it really, it's a teaching on prayer and also it's, it has some templates of how to pray. Did y'all know that some of y'all need to learn how to pray? Nobody's ever taught you how to pray. You haven't been around those environments. If you have been taught to pray, it's been a very religious exchange. That's very, you read the prayer and that's it. But prayer is a conversation, y'all. It's a conversation. So I wanna share with you today three things that God does whenever we pray, all right? Number one, when we pray, God provides for us. God provides for us. This is what it says in John 14. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. And we'll get to the glorification of God in a few minutes here. But number 14, verse 14, if you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Anything in my name. What does anything mean, right? Anything. Now this right here, this is where we get a little bit off because again, we're humans. And whenever you say, if I ask for anything, I'm gonna get it. All right. (laughs) You know what I'm talking about? But I, I want to I kind of correct some thinking, and, and really what I want to do is I want to bring two different thoughts together into the middle. And I've, we've shared this before, but when it comes to prayer and asking God for things, people fall into different, two different categories, and they're extremes. And in most times, extremes are error, okay? You get into error. And one is this. It's a prosperity message, just a prosperity gospel that says like God wants to bless me and therefore he's going to bless me with all like everything, anything I want, like money, cars, like, like every dream that I have, he, it's going to come true because he said, ask for anything. But what happens is it gets into this whole vending machine mentality, which says, you know, like I'm gonna put my five bucks of prayer in and I'm gonna get my $5 gift, okay? It's this, it's this thing that's not biblical, but people frame it to be because of scriptures like these and they take them out of context. But then you got people that go all the way to the other end and what I call like poverty gospel, which is as believers, we should have nothing. All right, like, like money is evil. And if you have anything, it's wrong and you shouldn't have any, you should give it all away or whatever. Or if you are rich, then you did something wrong to gain that. Okay, so it's this poverty mentality. And that's also not in the scripture. We just read a scripture that kind of talks about that. But go read the Bible again and you'll see many scriptures that it definitely doesn't say that. But what we refer to as the proper thinking is a provision gospel or provisionary gospel, which is God will provide your every need according to his riches in, in Christ Jesus. But it's this, this thing of God will provide for us. And uh, if you know me, if we hang out a lot, you know that every now and then I say that, I'm like, the Lord provides, you know? And, and sometimes it's kind of in a joking way, that the, but it's really not because it's true. I believe that every good thing comes from God. And I believe that he provides for us. He provides for us physically, emotionally, and most importantly, spiritually. And whenever you have that sort of thinking, the physical things, they're important, but they're not that important, right? The spiritual things are the most important. And he's provided everything that we need for that. But he also says, basically in the Bible, he says, don't worry about what you're gonna eat and what you're gonna wear. Don't worry about that. I've got that. Now, most of the time, we're not worried about, honestly, we live in America, we're not worried about what we're gonna eat or what we're gonna wear. We're worried about like, are we gonna be able to retire with like millions in the bank? Okay? <laughs> like, like, am I gonna get a new car every three years or every six years? I mean, like, come on, Jesus, help me out. You know what I'm talking about? And God's like, I'm not even really, like what I was talking about wasn't really like that extreme. Like, and why are you asking it in that way? You know what I'm saying? With your kids, whenever they begin to kind of bow out their chest a little bit and they begin to ask for things, like they own the place, don't you kind of like, kind of check them a little bit, right? (laughs) Ari the other day said something about her room and her stuff and all this kind of stuff. And I was like, babe, I want to let you know that you actually don't own anything. Okay? Like... I went by her door and it said, do not enter, like this little hand scroll thing. And I was like, let me pull that off and put that right over here. You know what I'm talking about? So this is my house. This is my house. And you just got to remind them every now and then. So. so don't get caught up in poverty. Don't get caught up in prosperity. But right in the middle, provision. God will provide for you. First Timothy six seventeen says, As for the rich in this present age, which is us, can I be honest again? For most of us, we live far above. If you take into account the entire world, we are blessed, y'all. As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty. I'm charging you right now not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches. Y'all, the stock market could change tomorrow. Many of you might've been in the situation where you had a lot of stuff saved up your whole life and things changed a few years ago and you lost most or all of your retirement and whatnot. Don't set your hope on riches, all right? But on God, who richly provides us with everything, I love this part, to enjoy. That doesn't sound like poverty gospel right there, right? God wants us to enjoy The things that God has blessed you with, thank him for it. But don't get haughty, don't get greedy. Everything that you receive, operate with an open hand because at times you might need to give that away. Don't get haughty, keep your hope on God. But what about whenever the answer is no? What about whenever you ask God for something and what you receive or what... What life deals you is really God almost saying no to you. How do you handle that? Me and Nadine, my wife, we got married about 12 years ago. And uh, we we talked about having a baby two years in, and then we decided to get a dog, which was a great choice. We've made a few good choices. One of them was getting a dog before having a child, but that's just for us. Unless it might be for some of you today, I don't know. Anyway, if you can't keep a dog alive, you probably won't keep a child alive. <laughs> anyway, so, uh, so after, about, you know, after about three, four years, we decided, hey, it's time to have a baby. And we felt like we had planned it all well. Like we thought that we, we, we did what was right, okay? We, we waited. And uh, we got pregnant. And we, well, she got pregnant. You know, I was along for the ride. And uh, so she gets pregnant, and we're excited. It's great. And then we had a miscarriage. And we were like, you know, it hurt. It, it threw us off a little bit, but we were like, it's okay. It's okay. And then pregnant again, and we had another miscarriage. And at that point, it wasn't as okay. You know, it, it started messing with us, with us a little bit. And then, you know, if you've ever been through that, you start asking some big, big questions. Well, is something wrong? It, I mean, is are we not gonna be able to have kids? Like you start really your whole life, you start picturing all of these things that you pictured differently and it starts messing with some things and, and the prayers that you're praying, you start saying, well, God, what? <laughs> like what are you know, can I be honest with you? We were looking around and, and there's other people who did not want to have babies who were having babies left and right or had the ability. To, and we want a baby, yet we can't. It started messing with some some things. And so uh, we ended up having Ariana, which was awesome. Uh, I'll never forget my dad. He said this. He said, you guys don't worry. He said, one day you're going to hear the pitter patter of those feet running down your hallway and and it's, it's going to be all worth it. And sure enough, had Ariana and those pitter patter, you know, started happening and, and, but then it started coming to, okay, what, what, are, what are we doing next? Like, are we gonna have another baby? And uh, what we decided was we wanted to be in another house before we had another baby. Where we were at, we just, we just wanted to live somewhere else. And so uh, uh, there's a whole other story when it comes to that about contentment and, and some things that God was doing in my heart about literally my house, which came down to basically, if we never move out of this house, I'm totally content with it because I have a house. And that's awesome. All right, and it was almost like that unlocked something. But, but anyway, we get into a new house and then we decided to have another baby. Like, all right, now our plan, okay, is working out wonderfully. And, uh, and then we got pregnant. And the whole thing is, is, we really didn't talk much about it because it had already happened twice. We had already on it, it was great, but that fear started coming up again. And we sat before we went into the doctor for that seven week, eight week uh, ultrasound. We sat in the car and we hadn't said much that day. And um, I kind of looked at each other and it just said, whatever happens, happens. We just had that sick feeling, you know, that gut feeling that it's it's like, it's not gonna be good. And uh, we went in and sure enough, ultrasound showed and it didn't form right. There was really nothing in there. And I think the hardest thing is whenever you're anticipating negativity or something negative happening, and then it actually happens. Like those moments. It, it does. It does something to your faith. It does something to the way that you think about things, and and you you almost start preparing for negative things to happen. And so anyway, uh, it was pretty tough. So we went home, and there was this hour window where I kind of went and was dealing with this in my own way. Um, I wasn't mad at God. Uh, I I kind of I'm past kind of past that whole. Questioning God thing, I really believe that whenever we get mad at God, it really reveals to us how much we don't know Him. I really, I really believe that. And so, if you're mad at God, um, I think that you need to get to know Him versus just getting mad at Him. Uh, We just talked about knowing His heart, Uh, but but there was still tension, and you know Nadine was was taking it tough. And uh, I walked into the room, and there wasn't any fight left. It was kind of deflated. And I looked at her, and I said, "Get up." We're going to get up and we're going to move past this. We're not going to come underneath this. We're not going to let this weight, this depression seep in. We're going to get up and we're going to move on. And was that easy to say? Of course not. But we had a choice. There was a lot of yeses. God had said yes to a lot of things. But what about whenever it's a no or it's a negative or it doesn't line up with your plan and your timing? What happens then? Is it still okay? I, I kind of believe this to a certain extent. I believe that until we're okay with a no, I don't know that we'll get a yes. I think that might be the type of faith that Jesus was talking about. Not faith just to have a lot of stuff, but faith to believe even when you don't. Like what if he was talking about that sort of faith? Faith that says whether or not it works out or, or, or it does. Either way, God, you're sovereign. God, you're good. I'm gonna worship you through it all and continue to give you glory. Amen? He says he'll provide for us. Number two, when we pray, God directs us. He directs us. Proverbs three, five, and six says, trust in the Lord with with all your heart. And this is a command right here. Do not lean on your own understanding. That's not something to mess with or change. It's you can't. Don't lean. If you ever say this, I just don't understand how God, exactly, exactly. I don't either. I don't always get it. The Bible says, "Don't lean on that." But in all, every—I mean, think about it—all your ways, all the things that you go through, your finances, how to raise your kids, how to stay married, how to how to how to plan for the future, how to serve people, how to love people, how God is—all your ways, all your thoughts—acknowledge Him. Bring Him into the conversation, and He will make straight your paths. Another version says He'll direct your path. It basically what it is, it's like it's almost like it's almost like the road down here that has a ton of potholes in it that hasn't been fixed in like fifteen years and (laughs) you go to the other side of the road in order to get around the potholes because it's like (sighs) Yeah. It's almost like God saying, Hey look, acknowledge me and I'm gonna go before you and I'm gonna fill in those cracks. It might not be perfect but it's better than if you don't acknowledge me and bring me into the picture. He will make straight your paths. Some of you are hitting potholes, busting tires and bending your rims and you're like, what's going on? Are you acknowledging God in all of your ways? Is that gonna fix everything? I'm not saying that. But I am asking, is he a part of the equation or is your relationship with God this right here and that's it? Sunday morning church service. Because Sunday church isn't having a relationship with God. (laughs) At best it's religion, which has all the looks of it, but with no power. Acknowledge God in all your ways, and then he'll make straight your paths. Not perfect, but he'll make them straight. But how does God do this? How does God direct us? Number one, his word, the Bible. Church, listen. You got to read the word of God. It's got to be something that you're intaking. If not, you don't know God and you don't know how he works and you can't reconcile certain things. Number two, his people. You got to get in relationships with other like-minded, like-hearted believers. You must, you got to. It's got to be part of the equation, all right? His people, relationships. That's why we love small groups. That's why you must be in a small group. If you just come on on Sundays, you're missing out. We are a church of small groups. And so I'm gonna encourage you to get into a small group. Number three is his voice, the Holy Spirit speaking inside of you, the nudge that you can't explain how you knew, but you just knew and you followed it and you obeyed. That's how he speaks. But look, it's not always just stuff in church. It's not always in the confines of the church. Sometimes God's gonna, maybe even through pain that you go through, he's gonna direct you a certain way, but you, you still have to hear him and, and, and you still have to obey that voice. And we wanted to show a video to you to kind of just give you an illustration of what this might look like. And, uh, you know, and so anyway, you guys got that ready? Let's go ahead and show that. In
1: 2011, my mom suffered a stroke and she came to live with us. In 2013, she fell and injured herself and had to spend 30 days in a nursing home. Dropping her off at that nursing home was one of the hardest things that I've ever had to do. The next day when we came back to get her, she looked at us and said, I thought you weren't coming back and it broke my heart. As we began to visit every day, Lee and I would go, and we began to notice that people were anticipating our visit of mom. Lee would go about the same time, and people would be sitting in the hallway, dressed up, waiting for him to come by. And so if you considered that you go in a nursing home and you had nothing to do all day, you just sat there, you were confined to a wheelchair, you have the staff, and they do the best job that they can, and you have other residents, but you don't have any family, you don't have any children loving on you, you don't have your grandkids. All those things that you dreamed that your older years would look like, they don't look anything like that. When God gives you a heart for something, is because He's calling you to something. And if he's calling you to do something, maybe it's not God saying, okay, Kathy, you need to start a nursing home ministry, you know. But he's, he's put a burden on your heart. And so we have a choice. Are we going to embrace it or are we going to just set it on the shelf? And so for me, I had to make a choice to say, I don't know of anything like this around. And so how how am I going to walk out what, what I'm called, what I'm burdened for? It's great that we partner with other ministries. You know, if you've got something that you're called to do and somebody's already doing it, you don't have to reinvent the wheel, partner up with them. But for us, I didn't know of anything else locally um, doing what we're doing. Sometimes we just have to step off the end and go and and see where god takes us so we came up with the idea of adopting nursing homes the first year we signed up 19 nursing homes in the three bottom counties we had about 275 volunteers that joined with us so this year we finished our fifth year we visited with 33 facilities in six counties and we touched probably about 1500 lives between the volunteers and the kids and the residents and staff of the facilities. Come on.
0: God directs you, but there's gotta be obedience. There's obedience, and there, you might be needing to be obedient in serving someone, but you might be in a place today where you need to have obedience in repentance. It's all the same. When we live a lifestyle of obedience, it's in everything. In all your ways, acknowledge God and respond. I just wanna mention this. When God directs you and God, sometimes it looks like conviction, where you're doing something, you're thinking something, you're acting a certain way, and God's nudging you away from that. He's trying to show you something better. And it's so important that you obey. It's so important that you repent. And guys, look, sometimes that nudging is going to come through other people around you who bring things up before you. It might be a pastor. It might be a sermon. It might be a friend. Somebody that says, hey, man, what you're doing, how you're living is outside what the Bible says is good for you. And at that moment, you have a choice to make. Am I going to repent and turn, which repent really talks about changing the way that you think? Or am I going to continue to live the way that I'm living? God will direct, but we have to make a choice to surrender and obey that direction. The problem is a lot of times that God directs, people disobey, and then people blame God for the result. Okay, the problem is that a lot of times God directs and then people disobey and then people blame God for the results. It makes no sense, but it's what happens left and right. God's directing a lot of you to do a lot of things. God's directing a lot of you to stop living the way that you're living, but you refuse. You refuse. And whenever you refuse, you refuse you will receive the result of that refusing. You will. Maybe not in this life, but judgment's a real thing. This is why this matters, y'all. This is why this matters. God directs, whenever we pray, God helps us, number three, he helps us succeed. And whenever I say succeed, we again, it's like, I wanna be successful. What does that mean? A lot of money, all my plans working out. But Matthew 5, 16, we don't have this on the screen, but it says this, let your light shine before men that they may see your good works, which is positive, but not just that, and glorify your father in heaven. That's the point of your good works of your life, that it being seen, that light that shines out. The point of that, is that God is glorified. Here's the thing. We succeed when God is glorified, all right? That that is what success is in the minds and the hearts of believers. Like that's what gets us up in the morning. That's That's what causes us to wanna have a good marriage. That's what drives us to handle our money properly. That's what drives us to restrain ourselves from reacting in traffic the way that we want to react. All right? That's what causes us to restrain ourselves from having an affair. Right? That, th- th- this type of drawing to the goodness of God and say, God, I want you to be glorified in my life. Not that all of my desires actually line up with that, but that I die to those desires. Dying to self is not fun. Okay? The Bible talks about it. It's not enjoyable. It's like, you know what? I'm so glad that I don't get to do the things that I want to do. <laughs> this is so it's a wonderful life of being a Christian. No, it, it means that you would rather please God than please yourself. Like that's that's the choice. But we justify. And what happens is, if we do reach success, it's at the expense of glorifying God. And that's not what we're called to as believers. It's not what we're called to. Our life operates differently. Our thoughts operate differently. It's the way it is. Young people, there's some things in this life that you will never or you should never experience. And that's cool. I've been with one woman in my entire life and I think it's awesome. I think it's awesome. Don't get, don't get directed, okay, by the world and what they say and how they frame it because the Bible says that they're deceived. That the way that they see life is through a filter that is actually going to lead to destruction. That's the life that they're living. You're not called to that. God didn't create you for that. Look at the fruit of what sin produces, and then look at the fruit of what uh, uh, living for the glory of God produces. Long term, it's a much better investment. And it's because God created you that way. God wants to be glorified in everything that we do. And it's why we do what we do we spend our lives for the glory of God. I want you to start thinking about that. What are you spending your life on? Like every day, you're just throwing cash out of your life. It's, it's the day, it's the time, it's the hours. What are you spending your life on? And are you spending it on the right things? Are you spending it for the glory of God? Our comfort is not the measure of our plans being established but it's that God is glorified with how we spend our lives. Don't look and say, oh, I've been very comfortable. I'm being successful. That could be a trap. Your comfort is not the measure of it. It's how God is receiving the glory for it. There's one last thing I wanna say and then we'll close. There's a man in the Bible named Moses and he was born in Egypt. He was an Israelite, but he 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 was raised up in Egypt. I'm not gonna get into all the details right now, but he, he was raised up as an Israelite in an Egyptian way of doing life, okay? In the palace. And he begins to realize that he's an Israelite and he, and he does something wrong. He gets sent out for a, a long time and God speaks to him whenever he's in exile. And God says, I want you to go back to Egypt and I want you to go set my people free. I want you to be my mouthpiece. I want you to go and represent me. And I want you to stand in front of Pharaoh for those people that you grew up with. And I want you as an Israelite to basically say, you're gonna let the Israelites go. The Israelites had been in bondage for like 400 years, okay? It's all the Israelites knew. Their thinking was broken. broken. They were just in bondage. And guess what? Moses' thought process wasn't much better. He was resisting God, God was directing him and he was saying no, he was insecure, he just didn't wanna do it, he was fearful. At the end of the day, at the end of the day he goes. He didn't wanna go, but he goes and he shows up and he's put in some very awkward situations. He ends up in a place where Pharaoh's basically telling him, I ain't letting the people go. And then he goes back to the Israelites, the Israelites get mad at him, right? He's like, I'm here for you and you're mad at me? <laughs> I'm going back to the desert, <laughs> you know? You know, he's caught between these two, these two forces and God keeps pressing him and he keeps saying yes. But some crazy stuff happens. When fast forward to the end of the story, they do get released by all these plagues and all this finally, they, they're, they're released, but then they end up in the, the desert, in the wilderness. And Moses one day gets really mad and he makes a mistake, but he keeps leading Okay, even in spite of that mistake. And at the very end of the day, the Israelites are looking at the promised land. They're about to enter in, okay? It's right before them. And God stops Moses just short and says, Moses, they're gonna go, but you're not because you got angry and you made a mistake. And Moses doesn't get to reap the benefits of all of that saying yes and all of that direction, he doesn't get to reap the benefits of being in the promised land. But you know what? That wasn't the point. The point wasn't that Moses would receive the benefit. It was that God's will would be done. And so Moses's life, his life was spent on God's will being accomplished. And at the end of the day, he was okay with that. And I wonder if we're okay with that. If we spend our life, and let's take the negative route for a second. Let's say it doesn't always work out the way that we want it to. Let's say at the end of the day, the picture that we had painted in our mind isn't what we thought it would be. Is that okay? Because God's will was done through us. It reminds me of Jesus. Jesus spent his life that God's will would be done And at the end of the day, he died on a cross to pay the price for what you and me do. Makes no sense in our economy and the way that we think. He spent his life for us. And that's the gospel. And I know a lot of you today, through through the words that we have sang, through the message that's been brought, I know that there's a tug of war on the inside of your heart that's saying, okay, I believe that that's truth, but man, look at my life. I believe that that's truth and I know that God loves me, but look at all the things that I've done. And that's the beautiful thing about who Jesus is and what he did is that it doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter your experience or the mistakes that you've made. The Bible says that, that God's love through Jesus's blood covers all of that sin. It, it's the beauty of the time that we live in, y'all. Grace triumphs judgment. And this is the hope that we have. But some of you today, you're out of alignment with that. And I want to give you an opportunity right now to realign yourself with the plan that God has for you. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? If that's you and you're in this place right now and you know that you're far from God, but you want to realign your heart with him today and receive Jesus, accept him into your life, I'm going to pray a prayer and I want you to agree with that prayer. Say, God... I pray that right now you would reveal Jesus to me, that you would change my life from the inside out. God, I've been trying, I've been trying a lot for a long time, but God, today I relinquish all of that. I surrender all that I am before you. I say yes to you. I receive your righteousness for my unrighteousness, and I thank you for it. God, I wanna live a life that glorifies you, and I acknowledge you in all my ways, in Jesus' name amen. We love you. This is why we do what we do. is for people to say yes to Jesus. Without that, uh, we're missing something. And so, so we're, we're excited for you, all right? Look, as we're closing today, I want to challenge all of you to take what we talked about. Pray before you do. Pray before you go. Pray for your three. Pray Make it a component of your life that you feel like you're missing something without it. You are consistently tethered to God. Pray without ceasing. Let it challenge every part of your life. Prayer's not our last resort. It's the first response, right? If you just made that decision, let me be the first to say congratulations. The decision to follow Christ is just the beginning of your relationship with God, and we'd love to help you with your next few
1: steps. We're one church in multiple locations. We have a campus in Gulfport, Wiggins, and in Long Beach, Mississippi. If you're in one of those areas, we'd love to see you at one of our live services. You can visit our website,
0: northwood.tv for service times and directions. Thanks for joining us today. We'll see you next time.